From Hong Kong, Chicago, and the city of Stoke-on-Trent, this is the Classic Lenses Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 144. My name is Simon Forster and I'm joined by Johnny Sisson and Perry G. Hello, Johnny. Hey there, suck it all you people who thought we weren't doing another podcast. <laughs> is, is that the cocaine and waffles voice? The what? The cocaine and waffles voice. Was what, it waffles or been, cocaine? You've been doing cocaine and waffles? Yeah, somebody has anyway. Don't know what you're talking about. No, okay then. We'll, we'll <laughs> move. We'll move quickly on then. Um, and how are you doing, Perry? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Very well. Very well indeed. Um, right. First thing, let's have an apology for the lack of the Plastic Lenses podcast last week, which was entirely my fault. Um, I had a catastrophic failure um, of my audio uh, recording equipment, and it took me a day to actually get the thing working again. And it was largely due to me being too clever. Um, and try to do things and improve things. I just made things completely awful. Um, so that's uh, we've gone back to the old way of doing it, even to the point of switching my camera off as well, because uh, that was interfering with my computer as well. So we're, we're back. We're sounding like we used to do, uh, whether that's a good or a bad thing. Don't know, but there you go. That's what we are. Uh, next thing, I just want to say thank you to our last guest. There was ages ago now, and that was Isabel Curdes, um, <laughs> who we sent to uh, a desert island and had a great time. So uh, thank you, Isabel, for, for being with us that time. Um, okay, so today, this is going to be something of a, like almost like an old school show. Um, and lots of people will probably be quite happy about that because we're going to dedicate it largely um, to talking about lenses, which is always a good thing on the Classic Lenses podcast. Um, but actually, we're going to um, dedicate the show to a brand of lenses, and that brand is Vivitar. And we're, we're um, very lucky to have with us um, an expert on, on Vivitar and the history and has experienced many, many Vivitar lenses. Um, so we'll... we'll Head over to Hong Kong and uh, Perry G. Tell us everything you know about Vivitar, Perry. Vivitar, the the no frills of lenses, the the ubiquitous. Now let's let's start with some history here. So you know the photographic world is full of iconic brands, right? Leica, Carl Zeiss, Olympus, etc. And you know, Leica, as we know, is a uh, the, the brand name is an amalgamation of lights and camera. And uh, Ernst Leitz's company manufactures lenses and cameras. Carl Zeiss, named after the founder of the company and, and uh, legend, legendary lens Perry, designer. Perry, Perry, yes. let me stop you there. The first comment in our, our Facebook group uh, when, when I made it known that we we're going to talk about Vivitar was how is Perry going to cope not talking about rangefinders? And, <laughs> Wait, and you've gone no, straight I, in there. <laughs> no, no, this is this is going somewhere. So you know, with with Vivitar, it's as we all know, they're not so much a manufacturer as a brand, um, with many manufacturers behind the brand. But in order to understand the brand, you got to understand the name, right, and the origin of the name. So that's why I started with, with, with Leica and Zeiss. With Vivitar, uh, it was a company founded in, let me just open the Wikipedia page for Vivitar, in 1938 by uh, Max Ponder and John Best. And so much like Leica is uh, a combination of lights and camera, when you combine Ponder and Best, you get Vivi and Tar. 
and the <laughs> and thus the brand was born. And uh, so so ends my uh, expert intro into Vivitar. That's right, right. Yeah, well, that's that's uh, that's just complete truth. As that anybody who will do some research uh, know that uh, Ponder and Best and Vivitar are the same thing, um, and that's how you get the name uh, or not. Um, yeah, so um, we've we've established uh, Perry's credentials there um, on 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 Vivitar, and um, and I think that's one of the ways how we're going to largely uh, approach today's show. Um, that fortunately, uh, Johnny and I have actually handled. Uh, more than one Vivitar lens um, and so we, we, we know a little bit about them, about the handling and how they actually work and such and uh, Perry's had less experience um, don't know why um, um, there's I mean, this certainly doesn't apply to Perry, but there's, there, there is such a thing as lens snobbery uh, and things out there and, uh, and we can't possibly accuse uh, Perry of such a thing um, as as that, so there must be other reasons uh, for why uh, why Perry hasn't actually encountered many Vivitars. Well, you you say you and Johnny have a, lots of experience with more than one Vivitar lens, but I'd like to point out that one is only a little bit less than more than one. So I think you're exaggerating <laughs> a little bit <laughs> because I have one. Yes. And so, what what is this Vivitar lens that you own? This is actually the second classic lens I ever I ever bought, like manual focus um, old lens. It is a uh, what was it? auto wide angle twenty eight millimeter f two point five uh, in M forty two mount with a serial number that starts with two two, uh, which means that it was manufactured by uh, Kiron. And I've had this lens for a long time maybe a decade and a half, maybe two decades even. Uh, and I have used it a grand total of zero times. <laughs> <laughs> but it handles very well. It does. I have, I think, I, those, seem to, those seem to be drawn to me magnetically. I think I have three of them at this point in different mounts. And uh, I can't say that I use them very often. But they're, they're nice lenses. They handle great. They, they handle nice really too. well. Yeah, and they're they're relatively fast, and uh, this yeah. one I think cost me five bucks back in the day. Yeah, that sounds about but, right. Yeah, when I was a, a poor broke student, so excellent bang for your buck. Yeah, sort of. it's the bang for the buck brand. I mean, you know. Yeah, it it it, it is, and uh, Vivitar is a is a is a brand. It's a, it's 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 an interesting brand in itself because there are many third party companies out there. Um, some of which are manufacturing their own lenses, um, you know, such as Tamron um, and uh, Sigma, Tokina, and, and and so on. And then you get this this other group of uh, companies, uh, such as Vivitar, Soligor, uh, Hanimex. Um, there are going to be other, others out there. Um, they they're probably probably the best the best well known lenses uh, names. Um, but there was there's a bit of a difference. With Vivitar, uh, because uh, a number of their lenses they actually designed and then they outsourced um, the building of the lenses, um, so they were effectively exclusive. Although it turns out uh, in the past, um, on quite a few occasions, their their designs would be made by 
uh, OEM companies, and then those OEM companies were then selling their version of it, um, or selling the design onto other people, or even selling the Vivitar uh, lenses that weren't ordered by Vivitar. Um, <laughs> And so there was a quite quite a few issues of that. Um, we're not going to dwell too much on the legal uh, not the legal side, the, uh, the the history of it. And what I would suggest anybody, if they want to know a little bit more about the history, and it's well worth reading, is uh, to head over to the uh, camera dash wiki org uh, page um, because it's it's a it's a really really good resource for 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 Vivitar in general and all their lenses and it's certainly uh, got the information about Ponder and Best and, uh, and how, how they came about and why they changed to Vivitar and what ultimately happened to Vivitar in the end uh, it's, you know, they, they ultimately uh, went bust or they were taken over by Hanimax of all people which is, you know, if you're a lens company I don't think you ever want to be taken over by Hanimax um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it, there was a there was a rise of Vivitar and a fall of Vivitar, and, it, and it's 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 a it's a good story. So um, we'll put links uh, into but, our notes. Yeah. But I mean, you can still get new uh, Vivitar branded lenses today, and um, the some of them, for example, like the Samyang lenses that are sold under the Vivitar brand in America. Am I right to assume that that's just because? At the time, like 2010 or whatever, uh, Vivitar was just would be a more recognizable name than like what at the time was a more obscure-ish Korean optical company. Yeah, I think that's a reasonable assumption. I mean, I think it was 97 or something like that. Um, was it in actually? Was it 2006? It was, yeah, I think I think Vivitar is an, is an organization. I think it finished around about 2006, from what I'm just just seeing here, um, but. Really, it is a is a is a lens brand. It pretty much died out by then because they they'd moved over more towards making compact cameras and things like that, rather than being a you know a powerhouse of a lens brand, if you like. Um, and then when they were finally uh, sold off, um, the the brand itself was sold off much in the same way as uh, Yashica. Uh, was was sold off, so it's just it just becomes a name. Uh, it, it, you know, you can I think you still buy Vivitar branded things today, but it's just a name. It's it's got no connection uh, with its past. So I I mean I'm, I'm looking at a list of the manufacturers, and and there are some household names like you know Casina and Olympus, um, and, and then a couple of brand manufacturers that I've never heard of before. Um, but before we move on and talk about any specific lenses. Uh, I, I want the two of you to say something with me. Vivitar lenses uh, that start with the 28 serial number. Who makes them? Um, <laughs> now, we, we this wouldn't be the first time we've had a debate about the, the, how, how you say this word, which is uh, K-O-M-I-N-E, um, because that was something that we talked about with, uh, with, um, with Carl in one of the very early episodes. And, uh, yep. and and Carl decided, and I, I can't remember. I think it was actually closer to being correct than what what when when I say co-mine, or yeah, I say co-mine, um, and I, and he he wanted to say it in the same way as um, Hermione in uh, Harry Potter. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, so he was calling it uh, co-mine. Um, <laughs> the, the correct way is obviously in the original Chicago ease, which is co-mine. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that when I was still a listener of this podcast, that that was one of the longest standing um, <laughs> sort of 
throw the phone out the window uh, type <laughs> moments. But but we haven't had an opportunity to to just set the record straight on that. So I guys, I want you guys to re- to, to to say the following word because it's a Japanese word. Komine. Komine. Yeah, it's not bad. That's that was the guy who took all the hostages in the seventies. <laughs> Johnny, it's your turn. What? This, is, this, is the, the, this is the alternate history of what might have happened in 1945. You'd all be speaking Japanese. Yeah. Johnny, I, I want to hear you say komine. Komine? Like that? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Okay. Not bad. Okay, we, we can move on with our lives. Yeah, it's just it's just whether or not we, we're going to carry... I mean, there are no big arguments on this. It's not like one of those big pronunciation things that... that Go, no. go go goes on because it's just not a word that you hear. It's I, I got mean, a I got a new yeah. Komini co- from my net Nikon. You mean like that? <laughs> yeah, I mean the same way that like we're gonna continue saying Roly even though you know we've had Roly so many times on this show. That, yeah. that I accept that. <laughs> but every time you say coal mine, I think I think you're saying coal mine. Coal mine, yeah. Komini. Uh, I'll go with that. I'll angl- anglicize it to that. Komine. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's, yeah. that's more than acceptable. I mean, I probably mispronounced it because I don't speak Japanese. But uh, sorry, Bellamy, if you're listening. <laughs> well, I think this is also a, a, a fair point when you just talked about the, the list of manufacturers. Um, it's it's worth just, just touching upon that. Um, because whereas like, people like uh, Soligor, you can you know, sort of work out who made a lens sometimes um working out who made a vivitar lens is is generally a lot easier um although the very early um vivitar lenses and and the the very late uh, vivitar lenses don't don't apply here they don't they don't use the same naming convention but Mm -hmm. for the 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 largest period of time and certainly with the lenses that most of us are interested in the first two numbers of the serial number um, have significance, much in the same way as the, the lots of the Soviet lenses have. You know, you get the uh, the year date with the first two numbers on most, but not all uh, Soviet numbers uh, lenses. The same kind of thing applies with Vivitar, whereas the the first two numbers refers to the manufacturer of that lens. Um, so let's let's run through this list um, because there's some things on like like. Perry, the the there are names on here that I know nothing about, uh, and names on here which I'm like sort of surprised that they're on there. Um, so, first one on this list is zero uh, nine or just the nine, and that's Casina, um, and and I think they generally refer to the fifty millimeter lenses uh, that uh, that were Vivitar branded, and that's actually an interesting thing as well because um, it seems like yeah most. Um, third-party companies pretty much steer clear of 50 mil lens uh, lenses, but um, Vivitar didn't. They 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 made them, or rather, they had them made for them. And of course, they were making cameras as well. They had Vivitar branded SLRs, and that was probably the reason why they had. Therefore, they would have had to get somebody to make 50 mil lenses for them. Um, so it appears that Casina were the uh, or Cosina or whatever. Is, the isn't the first um, 06 Olympus? 06. Oh, mine starts at nine. Oh, I've, you've got a better list than me. Yeah, I got two open. I got uh, Camera Quest and um, some random post. I must admit, I knew that Olympus should be on it, and I couldn't see it. So I was, but but that's a good point though, because Olympus being on that list, I've never actually worked out what Olympus ever made for Vivitar. 
And neither of you either. Well, no, I think I think it might have been the earlier the earlier stuff. Some of the earlier lenses. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Because I mean, there's really the whole the the lenses that don't seem to get uh, mentioned as frequently in the conversation about Vivitar stuff are the old uh, T2 lenses, which are the ones that I personally really like. Um, but those were mostly Tokina. So yeah. I'm the Olympus, I, I don't know. I mean, but s- somewhere early on along the way, I, I think they were, you know, is when the Olympus stuff was going on. Well, it's, it's just enough. My, my list is based on, I was, the one I'm using at this minute is based on the, the page that I was talking about with off uh, camera-wikidoc.org, mm-hmm. um, which doesn't even mention Olympus uh, is a is a manufacturer and, and makes no and that's on the page with the serial numbers and doesn't make a mention of Olympus on the main page either, so it's a bit of a weird one that because I mean it lists a, a lot of lenses. In fact, what was one of the things that was interesting is I I thought I had a bit of a handle on uh, the lenses that were made by Olympus uh, by Vivitar or branded by Vivitar, and. Uh, and when I actually went through the list um, that, that's on this page, I realised no, I've only just scratched the surface of the lenses that that were, were were branded. I think part of that is possibly also that a lot of these lenses, with the Vivitar being an American company um, based in California, I think they started. Um, I'm guessing a lot of these lenses only ever actually made it to America as well and didn't actually get over to the UK and other parts of Europe and other yeah. parts of the world. I think that's mm-hmm. probably true. I, I think they were mainly distributing for the U.S. market, and a lot of a lot of the things that they uh, probably had ordered were, you know, somewhat exclusive to them. Although, as you mentioned, Simon, that doesn't mean that a lot of those manufacturers also sold the same, you know, lenses under their brand name or other brand names. So. Mm. So let's 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 work through that list of uh, um, serial numbers, and I'm going to hand over to you on this one, Perry, because your list might be better than mine. Uh, well, I, I've gone onto the same list you're on now, and it says they removed Olympus because it sounds like they had a deal, and then Olympus dropped them because they were protective of their uh, that could be uh, brand. Ah. <laughs> so, like, it's there's the paperwork there, but nothing in existence, which is probably why on one of my lists it's italicized anyway. Well, but then, uh, yeah, yeah. After that, though, we have uh, thirteen uh, Schneider Kreuznach. Um, I, I don't think I've seen a thirteen serial number Vivitar lens. Mm-hmm. Have either of you? Nope. It's it's so. No. And then we have um, Kino Precision, uh, also known as Kiron, which I think are probably the most common ones, right? Or um, at least among the most common ones. I would, I would, yeah. They, they certainly, I would view them as being like part of the big three for Vivitar. Yeah, um, yeah. With Cosina, I suppose, will be the be number four. I would, I would say. Um, right. The, the Kino lenses, they usually, in most cases, not all, but in most cases, they 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 quite. It's quite easy to spot them because they tend to have a very high gloss finish on them. Um, right. I. That, that doesn't appear. I mean, I know that you've, you've you mentioned your um, twenty eight two point five. Uh, which is not of the same finish that I'm talking about, uh, but that mm. was a, that's one of the earlier lenses. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's from, that's actually from an era of lenses, which was a bit of a classic era of lenses. Which when we start to talk about some of the specific ones, I want to get back into that. Um, yeah, that's yeah. good. 
So then we have 25, Ozone Optical. Uh, never heard of them. No, no idea. Uh, 28, uh, Comine. Or Comine. That's it. One of, one of the big uh, three. Yep. Um, and then uh, Makina, which is probably not pronounced that way in Japanese. Um, that That's Makina of the, you know, proper Makina pedigree, right? I don't really know, but I assume so. It's, that's, that's what it sounds like. Johnny, do you know if that's the same company uh, responsible for like all of the good Makina stuff? Uh, I would, I would assume so. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Hold on a second. What, when you say good Makina stuff, what what are we talking about here? Well, I mean, everything I've played with that is Makina branded is pretty nice. Are you know about like the modern, the modern things. Or, Define modern. Well, this century. Uh, like the Plowbow Makina. Ah, that's. I think we're talking about something completely different now. Yeah, I yeah. mean the the list that I I see says Mackinon, which I think is different than Makina. Yes, I think it's two different. I think it's two, I think that's two different companies for yeah. sure. Okay, no, but but hold on. The the non suffix is just optical, and so on one of my lists it says Mackinon, and the other says Makina Optical. It could be. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. I mean, that makes sense. Mm. Um. Although optical is also Kogaku, so yeah, I, uh, I I don't think we're talking about that now. We're not. I mean, we, we, we're, talking about, we're talking about Plowbell, um, and this isn't Plowbell. And, yeah, well, yeah. and and the, the Plowbell Makina obviously has a Nikon lens on it, so yes, yes. Like, go figure. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, no, but like, but but I, I think it's the same company that made those like Mackinon SLRs and things like that, right? Yeah. Yeah, anyway, anyway, moving on. Uh, then we have, oh crap, I've lost the list. Uh, then next one I've got is 33, Asanuma. Asanuma? No. No idea, never heard of them. And no. Asanuma, I used to know this, hold on. Asanuma is also a house brand for, um, hold on, I'll be able to tell you in a second. But it's uh, Asanuma Lens, I'll look it up. Here we go. There's a page about Asanuma on Wiki. Oh, let's see. Well, if- it it turned it turned into another company at some point. So they do you guys remember King? Yeah, they were connected with King, weren't they? We were then yeah. connected with somebody else. But, but I mean, ultimately, we, we we're talking about one of the one of the many. Uh, Japanese OEM lens yeah. manufacturers, yeah. aren't we? Right. Do you guys remember that uh, Romanian pop hit sensation a couple of like decades ago, or a decade or so ago? That Numa Numa song. I think I do. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's what this name, this manufacturer, reminds me of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah let's, let's All right. It. it took me years to get that song out of my head. So uh, let's move on. <laughs> All right. Then we have oh, no. thirty-seven. <laughs> And did you the video of the fat guy dancing to it? Yeah, yeah, it's all yeah, good. yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Thirty-seven, the big one, uh, Tokina, of course. Yes, one of the big three. Yep. Um, Forty-two. Okay, so this is spelled Bauer, B-A-U-E-R, uh, but there is a brand of uh, hockey gear that yeah. is also spelled this way, but pronounced Boyer. So, is it Bauer? Maybe. Okay, let's, let's we, go we, don't, we, we don't know who they are anyway, do we? So uh, it's, one, it's, one, it's one of the more obscure 
uh, names on the list. But that's a German name, though, eh? Yeah. Um, then we have Perkin Elmer, 44. Never heard of him. Mm-hmm. Um, possibly a predecessor of Elmer Fudd. Uh, f- 47, Chinon, another big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then 51, Tokyo Trading. Um, don't know if that's affiliated with anyone. 56, Kyoi Shoji. I don't know if that is uh, affiliated with the like the WA Cal QA lenses. No idea. I would I would imagine so. Yep. Uh, then we have sixty one Samyang, uh, seventy five Hoya, and eighty one uh, Polar. Yeah. I mean, if 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 all of those uh, manufacturers there, the only ones I've ever come across are the Casino uh, when when it's been on fifty mil. Uh, Kino, Komine, and um, and Takina. I've not actually encountered, knowingly at least, um, a, a lens made by any of the others. I assume, like the uh, Kayoi, is maybe one of the uh, the early lenses, maybe. Uh, but but no, I've I've not come across any of the others. Yeah, I've only seen those ones as well. Um, I don't know, Johnny, if you've stumbled upon any of the other manufacturers that aren't the big ones that we're going to talk uh, about. Some. I mean, my, um, my, I think my 28 millimeter 2.8 is um, a 28 serial number. Um, I mean, I've come across some, some of the others, like the Samyang. Some of these also are later. Uh, so later into the autofocus era. I mean, that's when I think right. a, lot, a lot of these other manufacturers come in and not the classic ones like, you know, Casina and Takina and all that and Kiron. Yeah. I think you, you start to see some of these later later names, you know, late, later on in the run. Yeah. And and are, are all of them even camera lenses? Like, there are Vivitar-branded random things, right? Like cell phone add-on and stuff oh, yeah. like that. Yeah, I mean, the the brand name still exists and they still make stuff, but it tends to be like like uh phone accessories and stuff like that so hmm. okay All right well that's that's our uh a tool through the through the list of uh, manufacturers and uh what we've what we're going to do now for the next part is is we're going to go through our experience of various uh vivitar lenses and we're going to do this in uh, focal length uh, order so we're going to start at the wide end and then we'll we'll end up at, at something long uh, i've i've made a list of uh, lenses that i i've either know about or i've, I've used um so perhaps i'll 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 drive that going forwards and uh, johnny if you've got any other I, lenses to add into this I'm yeah thinking, i mean yeah. I, I i was just gonna say as an alternate um well i mean it's fine to go through it by focal length but i I think of Vivitar lenses in kind of a different way. I think of them more by era because they're yeah. they're really era specific. Um, and the earliest ones being the T2s, and then the T4s from the you know the early 70s. And then after after that, I, I feel like they there's a much wider variety of. Uh, well, and then there's also the 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 um the series one vivitars mm. and after after all that i feel like that's when they the, they really started making you know in as we get into the late 70s early 80s you start to see lenses for 
you know, <clears throat> autofocus mounts and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to say that quality went down, but you know, the quality kind of went down on a lot of the stuff because yeah. they're just, they're just cheap zooms, you know? Yeah. Uh, but so I, I sort of think of it by era with the older stuff, the T2s and the T4s and the series ones being like, you know, prime era Vivitar okay. stuff. Well, let's, let's, so, let's, let's do it that way. I mean, I'm, I must admit my, my list here is, is very much from the, I'd call it the golden era. Um, because I've, yeah. only, I've only actually got one lens on here uh, from 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 the early uh, period, which I know that we'll both want to talk about. Um, so perhaps it might be an idea then, if if you want to lead the discussion on the um, the older T twos TX mounts and all that kind of sure. stuff, and then uh, we we and then we'll come through to the to the more well like the middle period. Yeah, and then as we go through, there's a couple of specific lenses that I want to ask about, but um, I'll just add them where they seem relevant. All right, that, that may, yeah, we we do that. I mean, the, so the the older, um, the, I guess the the oldest Vivitar lenses that you're going to come across are probably uh, the T2 lenses, which are from the late '60s, early '70s. They do not adhere to the serial number uh, convention that we see. In the charts, there's charts floating around a couple of places. These lenses don't fall within that chart range, that number, serial number range. Um, they seem to be made universally. Everybody accepts that they're made by Tokina, which I think is true also looking at other Tokina lenses from that era. Um, they're almost identical in terms of markings and everything. And this, of course, was a one of the first compatible or universal mount systems where you had a uh, 42 millimeter thread or thereabouts on the back of the lens, but not an M42 mount, just a 42 millimeter thread. Um, and that went into a, an adapter, a threaded adapter on the front side and on the back side, that adapter would fit whatever camera mount you were buying your lens for. So you could have, you know, one lens <clears throat> and screw it into whatever adapter you want for whatever brand you're using. Um, so t- t- for me, that was, th- this is sort of like the, the ultimate spec <laughs> for Vivitar lenses. Um, because the quality is very high on these, most of them, the build quality is great. Uh, the optical quality is, I'd say good to excellent depending on the lens. Um, and you know, I consider this kind of like, these things are kind of hidden gems as far as i'm concerned uh because they they still turn up you can still find them but they're by far not the most common vivitar that you will mm-hmm. find when you go looking for lenses uh, but they all universally have the double ring preset so you've got on the front of the lens you've got two rings with the same uh aperture numbers right so you've got uh one one ring to set the aperture and another ring to actually you know, move that aperture open and closed. Uh, it's, I, I find it to be a really easy to use system. I think it, I guess it confuses some folks, but it's, you know, I, I think it's like the height of the, the best of the best Vivitar stuff. Mm. Um, so those, you know, you'll come across, that's where the 28 millimeter 2.8 first shows up, um, which, you know, that lens then came out in dedicated mounts after this. Uh, but that's this is where you first see the 28, I'm sorry, the 28 2.5, uh, which Perry was talking about earlier. 
Um, and there, there are several other notable lenses in this, um, in this lineup. There's a, a 35 and a 28, which are both pretty good. I mean, keeping in mind that these are, you know, late 60s designs. Um, the standout being the 85 millimeter 1.8, which we've talked about yeah. a lot on this program in the past. Um, well, and then it, as, yep. let's, let's just let's just stick with that one for the moment because it's a long time since, we've, since we have talked about that lens, and and it's one one of the few. It's the only one of that era that's on my list. Was uh, I mean I I I have a different opinion of the of the quality of those of that era of lenses um, than than than, you, than yourself, Johnny. Although from my perspective, I, I've. I've only ever actually used them on digital, so it's it's a it's a it's a more harsh way to uh, judge a lens um, doing it that way. But I've I found that certainly that that era for me that it was it was an age of being adequately adequately sharp is the best way I would uh, uh, put 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 those lenses from from my perspective at least anyway. Um, I mean, if sharpness is your only descriptor, then sure. Um, I mean, the 35 and the 28s are not going to be standouts because of the era they came from, and they're not going to have the latest lens coatings, and they're not. I mean, they're not going to be, you know, cut your eyeball sharp, but they're, you know, certainly on film, they're. I think they're great lenses, um, uh, and they they handle really well too, and the size is nice. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I, you, you, you can, it's, yeah, throw them on digital and they're not going to, you know, they're probably not going to be as, as eye popping a lot of them. Um, but the, the 85 1.8, uh, is a, for me, that really is an absolute standout lens. Um, yeah, for yeah. a, for a period of time, it was probably the least expensive, uh, 85 millimeter lens you could buy. Um, yeah. when when you could find one is more to the right. point because they're 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 very uncommon or pretty uncommon i mean i remember when i first came up came across one i, I thought well, i'm going to keep an eye out for one of these and it took me a year to get one um but yeah. i got it but i got it it's a great price and i and I, I i was really happy with it um but it's 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 an interesting lens in many in many ways and actually just going back to what you were just talking about having the preset ring on there i think that's a a, a great thing to for when you're uh, adapting to to digital especially if yeah. you want to use flash uh, mm-hmm. because that's that's one of the biggest problems with using uh, adapted lenses uh, if you know a, a conventional automatic lens and then you adapt it to digital uh, is that you've got the stop down uh, yeah, right. Issue, if you like, where you actually want to be shooting perhaps at f eight, but if you're trying to focus at f eight on a mirrorless camera, it can be can be harder than it sounds because your depth of field is so so much greater. So your critical focus might not be in the right place. Um, whereas with a preset lens, you can focus wide open. You know you're going to be shooting at f eight. You set your preset to to f eight, and as soon as you've got mm-hmm. your focus, you're, you're rapidly switch it uh, click it back and it stops at f8 and then you take your photograph so it, it's, yeah. it works so much better uh, that that way so um big big plus on that but the other there's a couple of other standout things about that lens um i mean i used it actually more on micro four thirds so it was a you know relatively long lens but it was uh it was great lens for taking flowers uh, great uh, <laughs> great oofter we haven't used that word for a while um and you could sometimes get a bit, even a little bit of swirl on it but i noticed um a good while after and i've never been able to do a head-to-head but i picked up an, an, a canon 85 1.8 in fact i've had a couple of them now 
and it struck me as those those two lenses are actually relatively sim- uh, similar. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're both really heavy lenses. I mean, that's one of the things about that particular lens. It's a damned heavy lens. And um, but yeah, sim- similar kind of handling, and for me, a, a similar kind of look from them. Yeah, and I mean, same similar era too. If you're talking about the Canon, um, the uh, the early FDs, which were actually metal and solid. Yeah, it's it's like from the same exact era. It was probably a you know would have been a direct competitor if you owned a Canon. Um, I, was, I was thinking more about the L, the LTM, by the way. Um, rather than, oh, the LTM. Uh, yeah. All right. The, so that uh, well, the, these are going to be later than that. I think LTM was actually done by the time this came out. Um, but I mean, it, the handling is kind of similar for sure. Yeah. And the, and the heaviness is definitely similar. Mm. <laughs> It's a lot of it's a lot of glass. If you look at the lens diagram, it is a lot of glass. Um, so the, the yeah the eighty five being a real standout, and then uh, this so this line was all prime lenses, the T's, and um, it was probably this at this point in the game most commonly known for the longer lenses like the super telephotos. Uh, so there's a two hundred, a three hundred, a four hundred, a five hundred, a six, and an eight. So these lenses you still come across, and in an odd way, they're almost the ones that I think people would um, know this line for if they were to come across it, because they've probably seen one of these, you know, meter-long 800 millimeter telephoto lenses. <laughs> um, so uh, it was, I, I think, well known for those. Um, and they're, I mean, they're not bad lenses; they're essentially just telescopes, you know. They're mostly uh, mirror lenses, right? About no, 400 these are, mil? Non, these are non-mirror, essentially just telescope lenses. Oh, geez. Yeah. Uh, they're literally like a yard long. They're like a meter <laughs> long. The 800, the 800 millimeter is like almost a yard long. Um, but I mean, they, they actually do a, you know, they do a decent job if you needed a lens like that back in the day for, you know, spying on women on the beach, which is I'm pretty sure all these lenses were ever used for. Um I think the, the the length of those lenses as well. They're they're, they're probably like a, a what what you would call a normal lens design, as in yeah. they're not telephoto because telephoto is a is a, is a word that gets thrown Co- around for being correct. any kind of lens that say over I don't know fifty millimeters. You start calling them telephotos, which is just not true. I mean, right? It's a most telephoto effect, but it's not a telephoto lens. It is literally fixed elements in a tube like a telescope. That's right. I mean, so, that's what they are, right? So the the actual um, length of the optics is is not shorter than the focal length. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. Well, that's the the point of the telephoto lenses. They found a way of of, of shortening the design, but keeping the the focal length. So you, you ended exactly. up with a much shorter lens to do the same effect as something that would have been a yard long. Right, and that and these are from that era, like late '60s, early '70s. That era of design, right before, you know, those true telephoto design lenses became more ubiquitous. And that's why you see on quite a few lenses of that era, they say telephoto on them because it's actually something (laughs) for them to shout about. Whoa, look at this! It's telephoto design. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Um, so anyway, these primes, if you if you get a chance to snag one of these primes, so there's a 2825, um, there's a 35, I think, well, there's a 3.5, I think there's even a 2.8 that shows up. Um, and then there's a, yeah, there is a 2.8. There's all, and, and then there's not a 50, but there's the 85.18. I would say all of those are, you know, are really worth seeking out. They're, they're, they're nice lenses. They handle really well. Um, the, the super tele, the super, um, not non telephoto long lenses are, they're interesting if you ever want to mess around with them, but they're, they're really beastly. Um, and then there's a couple of 135s, which, uh, kind of a funny, maybe I guess it's kind of a funny story. Um, there's an 85, I'm sorry, there's a, a 135 2.8 that looks almost identical to the 85 uh, 1.8. And I, I picked one up. I had sought one out for a while because I'm like, oh, it's got to be awesome, just like the 85. And it, it literally, I think I talked about it on the podcast ages ago, but it literally renders like there's an element missing or something. <laughs> like it's, there, it's not sharp anywhere at any time at any place in the universe. It is never sharp. It is always soft. And it's like literally right. looks like there's something wrong because you, you, you you couldn't even accidentally make a lens that bad, like a one thirty five that just isn't sharp. It's like almost impossible, right? Yeah. Um, and this is a one thirty five that is just never sharp. <laughs> so that one I would I would avoid. Um, and unless you want lenses that are extremely long, well, the, the, there's a two hundred millimeter three point five that's also good. But then you start to get into the you know the three hundred, the four hundred. They're they're big lenses. Um, so you, you know, you could consider those almost for novelty sake, but the, you know, the 28 millimeter up through the 85 are the real sweet spot. And they're, and they're, I think they're well worth seeking out. So that's the T2 era. Um, the next era would be the T4 era. Um, and the T4 era is the same idea. It's a, it's a, um, a, a lens mount, uh, that's compatible to many brands, but different from the T2 lens era, rather than being a preset lens mount, it is an automatic lens mount. So, you know, the lens is going to stop down like any other SLR lens that were to sort of became the norm, which is an automatic aperture. So the T, the T4s were, um, auto aperture lenses and they were also very popular. Uh, they're from the same, sort of era like late 60s early 70s uh so i think of them as like the second generation vivitars and these lenses these are optically these things are really excellent now the zooms you, you know there are a few zooms in the lineup and you know you're talking about a zoom lens from 1970 it's not going to be super super impressive uh, but i find the primes from this era from the t4 line to be extremely impressive um, there's a 35 millimeter, uh, 2.8. That's excellent. There's a 24 millimeter. That's really nice. Um, and then there's some wider lenses. There's a 21, there's some different 28s. Uh, but the, the 35 and the, um, 105 are real standouts from the T4 line if you can find them. So, and they're hefty. They have a, a different sort of build quality. Uh, they have a kind of a big fat, uh, solid metal feel to them, um, and they're nice. Uh, the the zooms are really really heavy, and they're at this point in time not anything um, 
very exciting probably as far as performance, but the, the primes again, I think are really worth seeking out. So, um, have you, have you used the, uh, 21, 3.5, uh, 3.8. I in that mount. Yes. I own that. I own that lens. Um, it's actually, it's, it's really good on film cameras. I, it, it's pro, I don't know what it does on full frame digital on <laughs> when I shot it on, uh, Fuji mirrorless. It's really funny because I, if I, if I shot it on my Canon DSLR, it, it's great. I mean, it's a great lens. If I shot it on my Fuji, it has the most hellacious chromatic aberration I've ever seen. So, you know, obviously on a sensor, it was never designed to shoot on a sensor. Um, but for whatever reason, on on Fuji APS-C, it has a totally different uh, kind of character to it than if you use it on a DSLR or on a film camera. But it's it's a nice lens. I mean, it's it's wide. It um, it handles. It handles well. It is a beefy, beefy lens. I mean, you're thinking more in along the lines of uh, the um, the Zeiss lenses, the 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 old the the old uh, twenty millimeter and twenty four millimeter, uh, the Flectagons. It's sort of like that in terms of a handling. Not quite as big in terms of the front element, but similar. Um, so, yeah, those are. It's a it's a nice lens. It's just the it's you know it's really a chunk. <laughs> it's really a chunky lens. And these uh these T2 and T4 lenses are very much like the the OG spirit of adaptation, you know. Yeah. Like get the lens and use it on whatever body you have. So for for people who hoard camera bodies, uh it's it's a pretty pretty cool solution. Yeah, it's 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 great. So if you, you know, like I have uh I ordered uh not that long ago, I ordered a T4 mount for uh my <laughs> Um, what you call it? My Topcon. So now I have that 28 millimeter, or sorry, the 21 millimeter 3.8 lens. I can put on my Topcon, and it's a great fit because it's a beefy lens on a beefy camera, and it feels like it was made to to be on that camera. Uh, but I mean, I could use the same lens on any other of my SLRs, which is kind of nice. So, so it has the little um, the little sticking out button knob thing for Exacta. No. Um, no, no, it's more like a, uh, it does not have the sticky out button aperture on it. It's more like a, uh, a lens from the Topcon era where it does not have the, um, that aperture manipulation. Yeah. So it's, it's more, it looks more like, you know, it's an auto aperture, uh, Topcon exact amount. So it'll fit an exacta, but you know. It was really designed to go on a Topcon, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but the mount, the mount is essentially the same. So, uh, but yeah, that's a nice lens. Uh, they're 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 you know the pri- the primes I think are also worth seeking out from this line. So, so that's kind of the the second era I think of. So the T T two, the T four, um, and then. From there, you get into like the series one lenses, which are um, now they were making other lenses at the same time. But I'm I'm sort of talking about uh, like the primes particularly right now. So the the series ones were um, kind of the next really notable uh, Vivitar lenses, which were more kind of late seventies into the eighties, um, and and those are 
um, those are great lenses. I'm I'm wondering because some of those are bang slap bang in the middle now. The like I would call the golden my golden era of, of Vivitar at least anyway. Um, and I'm I'm just thinking that um, I mean the first thing about series one in theory. Uh, the Series 1 lenses were designed by Vivitar and then uh, farmed out for outsourced uh, to have made for them. Um, but how, how, exactly how true that is, it's, 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 yeah. it's, it's, it's hard to actually say because there are definitely some Series 1 Vivitar lenses that are definitely available by different manufacturers. Um, for yeah. instance, the, uh, the, the Chiron <laughs> 105 2.8 um mm. there is a, a series one uh, version of that and it is the same lens right i i think it worked in reverse for those lenses to be quite honest i think that those lenses were designed by the manufacturers and vivitar licensed them in the u.s rather than vivitar executing a design that was then carried out by those manufacturers i think it's totally the other I, the I other th arrangement <laughs> I, I, th I, th I think there's a bit of both i mean certainly if you if you believe what's what's written in the, in several articles um vivitar did uh, design some lenses and mm -hmm. uh, there's good there's good grounds uh, to say that they actually did that and series one certainly was 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 part of that but i don't think that you can you can say that just because something is a series one lens it was designed by vivitar i think that's right, that's the safest right. way to say it really yeah and, and yeah i think that's that's probably i would agree with that and and so the, you know the series one lenses there's a you know again we've got a situation where you've got <clears throat> a few um, notable prime lenses and actually a few notable zoom lenses even in this range. Um, and then uh, it's it's mostly, I, I think people mostly encounter these series ones as the various uh, zooms. Hmm. Um, but I mean, you do still see the, the primes turn up um, and there's some mirror lenses in here and... Um, you know, they're they're just they're really nice all around lenses. Probably with, I'd say the standouts are probably going to be, um, the twenty eight and the uh, the ninety millimeter macro, are probably the 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 two in terms of prime lens uh, standouts in in the line. And then you know a couple of the series one uh, primes, a few a few of them actually are really really decent performers. Um, there's a couple on the wider end. There's a 19 millimeter 3.5. <clears throat> that is a really a quite quite nice nice lens. The um, the 90 millimeter macro is is that the Bokina? Uh, I think we just be when you say the 90 millimeter macro. There's there are two. What? Uh, but the series one. <clears throat> the series one. Yeah, yeah. the series one is a 90 a, millimeter 2.5. Yeah, I mean the other part to it is one's a 2.8 and one's a 2.5. Um, so right. the, 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 the series one, uh, being the 90 2.5 is, is the Tokina uh, lens. And there's, there's a little bit of a debate over, over this lens because, you know, the, the word Bokina is usually, um, ascribed to the, uh, Tokina, Tokina, Bokina. Right. Um, and, um, and by extension, people say, well, the Vivitar is the same lens because it's by Tokina and it looks exactly right. the same. Right. Um, yeah. there's a, there is a school of thought. Uh, to say that there is some kind of subtle difference uh, between the two of them, um, I've not I've not really bought into that school of thought. Largely because I've got a Vivitar one, and I want to think it's just as good as the Tokina one. Um, yeah. um, but yeah, until I get one 
side by side. Um, I'm, I'm going to keep my um, options open to be on that one. But one of the there's two, two, a couple of things about that particular lens though. One, it's a it's a one to two macro natively, and you you actually have to put on uh, an optical extender uh, to yeah. get that to 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 one to one. That's 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 I think that's a bit annoying personally, but there you go. That's 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 one of those those, those things. But <clears throat> as I've I've mentioned this lens on a few occasions um, because it, I think it's one of the best lenses ever made, um, and it's just one of those lenses that I can put onto my camera. And in the rare times I actually seem to be going out and taking photographs, um, it's one of those lenses that it, it's 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 a make me smile lens. Um, yeah. And and when people keep on talking about the 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 bokeh of the lens, and you think, well, yeah, yeah, we've heard all this before and all this kind of stuff, and who cares about bokeh? And then you actually go out and use it. And you think, oh, that bokeh is really nice. Yeah, it, it really is a. It, it does what the nickname uh, says, and it's it's got great sharpness. It's got great contrast, great pop, and and great bokeh. It's a it's a it's a wonderful lens. There's no two ways about it. Yeah, it's it's kind of a legendary lens, um, uh, and I, I think it still has a well deserved reputation. So, yeah, real real nice lens. Yeah, on on. Sticking with Series One, <clears throat> the other one, and I've already just mentioned it earlier with the the one hundred five two point five um, macro yeah. by uh, Kiron, um, which I've actually I've got actually I've got two of these. I need to sell one really, um, but um, I've gotten both. Both mine are by Kiron, and it's also I think in in America I think the it's the Lester Dine, isn't that what they call Lester Dine lens over there for some reason. Um, yeah, those do show up as well. The yeah. Lester Dine yeah. which, branded one does which, show up. That's it. It's, it's, it's exactly the same lens, but it's it's, yeah. it's interesting, this lens, because um, it's got a longer focal length and it's a native one-to-one macro. Yeah. Um, so, which basically means that, you know, the, the, when you're at the full extent of its focus, then the item that you're taking a photograph is uh, is the same size as the film plane, the, the film that you're using, or the uh, the well, 35 millimeter film, or or the size of your full frame sensor. So it's uh, you know for, for for macro, there are some people who think that well macro is one is one to one or greater. Um, you know, you can have that argument all, all all day long, but it's a it's a really good lens. Um, and I, I like it, and I like it. I've got it larger because it will go to one to one. Where I haven't got the uh, optical extender for the uh, for the Tokina version, um, the the ninety two point five. But I don't care. I don't really want. I don't want to do macro with the with the Bokina. I want to take pretty photographs with that. Um, yeah. And I'll I'll use this one, the the Kiron version, to actually take proper macro shots. But it doesn't you know it's one of those lenses that delivers what you want it to but it doesn't seem to deliver anything anything more in the same way as the other uh 90 mil macro the 90 mil 2.8 which isn't a series one well i thought it was to be honest but perhaps it isn't um and that's by uh Comine, um, right. which is also uh, a one-to-one macro um, and i had that and sold it when i got hold of uh, this 105 and i think actually the, the thing that kicked it into touch was when i got the uh and the Vivitar, um, the Burkina one, and uh, because the Cominate, it's it's another one of those lenses that um, does exactly what you want it to do, but it doesn't really give you anything else. And as a classic lenses user, I want something that gives me just something different. Um, you know, I want the lens 
to give me a bit of character. I'm not I'm not looking at the lens getting out of the way. I want it to be in the way and uh, part of the photograph. So uh, so so there's that one. And, and I think just while we're on the subject of uh, of macro lenses, I think I want to um, go back to the well a little bit wider and the 55 millimeter f 2.8, uh, which is also by uh, Common Eight, which is also one to one macro. And that's a super lens, um, especially or in particular for macro work. I don't think it works that well as a uh, as a conventional lens. Um, certainly, the the photographs I've taken with it when I'm, I haven't been using it at, at macro, I've been a little bit disappointed with it. It's, it's it looks a little bit nervous. Um, the out of focus areas can look a little bit nervous with that lens when you when things are further away. But when you're actually using it specifically as a macro lens, um, it's superb. And um, I put. A couple of posts out about this podcast and that was uh, just earlier on just a few hours and that was one of the lenses that uh, um, I got a comment on uh, saying that somebody loves that lens and uh, and yeah I'm I'm one of them too I think it's an absolutely stellar lens and it's you know really good value for money yeah good stuff um the other one that I would mention from that series one line in terms of primes is the uh 135 2.3 which is a an absolute monster of a lens, um, it, you know, a, a faster 135. And as you can imagine, size-wise, it kind of follows along that path. Uh, so that's a, that's also a neat lens. I, I don't know, performance-wise, wide open, you know, probably is not on par with um, some other lenses from that era, but it's a nice lens nonetheless. It's certainly got um, – it's, it's one of those lenses that, that people – gravitate to and it, it fetches yeah. decent decent money as well it does yeah. um i mean the, it's one of the lenses that uh, imon uh, going back again in, into the early days when we had him on a couple of uh, couple of times imon from greece uh, sorry i can't say yeah. your surname imon but dr imon um and uh, he's got that lens and i, I know he, he he rates that lens um actually yeah. he's, he's got a few vivitars and there's going to be another one i'm going to mention shortly but uh but yeah, that's I, I. I think that's there's a reasonable chance of that being pretty damn good. It wouldn't surprise me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, once we get through the the series one stuff, um, I feel like you know those are sort of that that you know they were certainly marketed as the top tier, uh, the pro pro so pro that it's pro Vivitar lenses. Um, uh, and then, you know, aside from that, in the same era, you have sort of the run-of-the-mill consumer-grade stuff that that shows up a plenty. Well, let me <laughs> and, let me let me just put put you on pause a second because I just yeah. realised I've got one more series one to talk about. Oh, great! And uh, and and this is actually in some some respects the reason why we're actually doing this podcast because last week I I, I picked up a, a load of cameras and somehow. Uh, actually, quite a few of them were Vivitars, um, and three of them, no less, three of the lenses that I picked up were the same lens, um, two of them in Minolta Mount and one in Nikon, um, and that's the Series 1 um, 90 to 180 uh, flat field uh, f yeah. 4.5 and again i mentioned him on earlier i know that i can remember him on talking about this lens a long time ago maybe in, in chats and things like that and yeah. it was something that he really wanted this lens 
and uh, and, and now without really trying i have ended up with three of the things um, <laughs> which, yeah that's uh, a nice land it's it it is and it's a, it's a Kiron lens um as i was saying before you you can just spot a Kiron lens or certainly from an era uh, yeah, you, you can sure. you can spot them um and actually i met up with uh, jeremy north uh last week um just dropped dropped by his neck of the woods so yeah, so i said hello to him and uh, we we just tried one of these lenses out there was a, a playing field and there was a dog running across the playing field and i thought oh, let's uh, let's let's have a look through this this I think it was a, a Minolta uh, I was looking through and um, and this dog was in the middle of the field quite a fair distance away and I, I obviously you're looking at things wide open on a proper camera and it, it did a great job of isolating the dog I mean I've got no photograph to prove it but um, it's it was very easy to focus it was very sharp and it does not surprise me if this is going to be a really good lens for a zoom um, which you know we don't really do zooms do we but um, Every now and again, uh, there are there are some good zooms. Yeah, and and the the other zooms in this in the series one lineup are they are almost all really good perform. I mean, it's kind of like fish in a barrel. A lot of them are like, you know, seventy to two ten. There's a bunch of different versions of the seventy to two ten. Um, I actually have a seventy to two ten that's not a series one, but it it basically, I'm pretty sure it's the same optics, just not branded as series one so more of a consumer grade version of a series one and it's a great lens i mean i have nothing i, I have nothing i can complain about about that lens it's got a, a a little bit of macro focusing on the long end and it's it's crazy sharp i mean i used to shoot slides with it and it's it's a crazy good lens and it but it's you know it's just kind of a run-of-the-mill standard mm. for the era minolta mount uh vivitar zoom but they were those zooms were really competent well there's, there's, oh, i was yeah, gonna say the, the 7210 i think it's, it's, we've, we've got to touch upon that as a zoom range because i'm just looking at now there's one two three four five seven seven series yeah. one seventy-two right. tens. <clears throat> now i think that some of these are, are also including later ones which may or may not be rubbish or not who knows Right. Um, but certainly um, this was a lens that was pretty special back in the day when it when they first came out it, it helped establish um, yeah or keep not so much established we already established but it, it sort of brought um, uh, Vivitar to, to the forefront because they were making excellent zooms and they were being made by uh, Kino, Takino and Komine. Um and there's there are different versions of them uh, some are like uh, 3.5 um, constant aperture then you get 2.8 to 4s and, and, and so on yeah, and what what's interesting about the Series 1 era, it's not even necessarily about just the Series 1 Vivitars, but about that whole era, right? If you look at the lineup, they have a 19 to 35, they have a 24 to 48, which is similar to the lens that Nikon had a similar, you know, range at that at that time. Uh, but then you've got a 28 to 90, 28 to 105, and then you've got the 70 to 210s. So what was going on is that people were switching their thinking from, I need a 28, a 50, and a 135. That was a standard kit that they were going to try to sell you at the camera shop. Is all of a sudden you were probably buying a 50 millimeter lens, a 28 millimeter lens, and then a one of these 70 to 210s for your long lens rather than a 135 or or you were just buying a kit zoom 
like a 19 to 35 or more likely a 28 to 90. This all should sound familiar to anybody who's bought a camera in the last 25 years, uh, because that's what you're going to basically get on your, on your, you know, on your, on your DSLR is the 18 to 55, which would be the same equivalent to it, you know, like a 28 to 105, right. Um, or 28 to 90 anyway that's kind of where that thinking came from is you've got one kit lens, call it a kit lens. It comes with a camera that kind of does it all. And this was the, the, the kind of the first era of the does it all, the do it all zoom lenses. So instead of a, you know, three primes, you might have bought a camera and gotten two zooms. Um, and that's where this era of thinking, this shift happens from primes to zooms becoming more prevalent for someone buying their first camera. Yeah, does on on those shorter shorter range ones, and I've only just realised this applies to two of them, not not to just the one. Um, <clears throat> so I, I can't. I think I was thinking about the thirty-five to eighty-five two point eight, um, but there's also a twenty-eight to ninety two point eight to three point two five of all things. Yeah, um, and the, the, they've both got. This has been something that's all. all I've, I've always intrigued me and i've i've held i can't remember which one of these two lenses I've, I've, I've held but it was broken so i couldn't do anything with it anyway um but it's described as auto variable focusing <laughs> and i'm thinking what on earth is auto variable focusing because i, I can understand what, what par focal might be um but so what's 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 variable focusing i mean what's that all yeah. about i have no idea i have to i would have to read the read the marketing description <laughs> but I, I i think probably what it's saying is that you can set your focus and then zoom the lens and the focus isn't going to change yeah but that's par focal so it's like a one well it's probably just their i don't know their marketing mm. <laughs> who knows who knows so if, any, yeah. if everybody knows a definitive answer on that one I'd, I'd, I'd love to know because it just seems a bizarre thing to call your lens yeah, I, I I I think it's just marketing spin for the same technology. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that was new. I mean, that was that was a new thing at the time, which was kind of a big deal. Mm. Um, so anyway, there's a whole page dedicated to it on uh, the camera wiki uh, with an ad from. I'm looking at this ad. It's from uh, 1975 <laughs> that talks about the technology, mm. <clears throat> the focusing technology. So. You know, like I said, this is from an era where things were really changing in the camera industry. Um, and I think it's interesting to note from that perspective um, why you see, you know, zoom lenses in this certain focal length range starting in this era. I've, I just remember when I was doing my research on this, that was one of the areas where we were talking about Vivitar designing some of their own lenses. I think these are yeah, absolutely be. in the sweet spot there because they're... Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure if it's that particular lens or, or the one of the 7210s, but they, I believe they came up with the idea of um, having some of these elements. Uh, I don't know if it's if they're floating or something like that, but they they enabled uh, this this really macro ability uh, within lenses with with some of the things they were doing with their designs. Then I believe they were the first people to do it. Yeah, um, and so I'm reading the auto variable focusing now that we're talking about it, and it's the exact opposite of what we were just talking about. It's actually, um, it was actually optimized for 
for performance. So it's a 2.8 all the way through. And it was optimized for highest performance at every uh, focal length. But you had, it did not hold, you had to refocus at each focal length. So it, it kind of did the opposite, but it did that because it was prioritizing uh, performance. <laughs> that sounds like BS, doesn't it? <laughs> well, but, but think about it. Again, again it's, it's 1975. And in, when you walk into the camera shop thinking you're going to buy, you know, three lenses with your new camera, no, you're going to buy this one super fast, super zoom lens that actually performs well at every focal length rather than being like, you know, a compromise zoom lens that doesn't really perform all that great at any aperture. The idea is that this is going to perform great all the way, you know, at 35, 50 and 85 in all in one lens. So, I mean, that's, you know, I, I'm down with that. That's kind of, that's kind of a, a worthy, a worthy pursuit, mm-hmm. <laughs> a worthy thing to do. Um, and it is, un- it is unusual to find a, a fast aperture zoom lens, you know, that was truly high quality. And, and these were good. These were, these were really good at whatever app that, you know, whatever focal length you were using them at. So yeah, yeah pretty cool. Okay. So, so a couple of the zooms by Kiron are listed as, um, coming in one and two touch zoom versions. Um, what, what does that mean? That, that's the whole thing of do you have to refocus when you zoom the lens or can you focus it, set the focus point, and then zoom it in and out? And Wait, every, everything stays really? in focus. No, but that's that's the all very focus, right? I thought I thought like one touch zooms were like the ones where you have to jerk it, push pull to, yeah, yeah, and then push, push pull as opposed to. That's my understanding. I've got to say. I guess. I guess. What, so, what would two touch be like? Separate rings. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, separate rings. As okay, that makes one, yeah. one ring to focus and zoom, which became the norm, right? So it's you know that's why I say this is all interesting stuff because it's right you're at the crossroads of a lot of different technology stuff happening in the mid seventies, and the camera market was really changing as far as how they were. I mean, it's a notable change from all the way from, you know, you figure the start of small format 35 millimeter cameras being, you know, Leica stuff in the teens and 20s. It had all been pretty much the same as far as how people thought about lens choices and lenses up until the mid 70s. So it's that's why I say it's, I think it's really interesting from a, a technology standpoint and from a, you know, maybe because I worked on the retail side, but it, it it was a real shift in the way cameras were being sold to people and the way people were thinking about photography. It was becoming more, you know, mainstream to have something like a, an AE-1 Canon, which was a big deal also because now, you know, your average person is using a quote-unquote pro-spec camera. I mean, that was the whole attraction to that camera and the whole attraction to these zoom lenses, you know? So it, it's... I just think it's interesting from a photo evolution, um, people using cameras perspective. It so the a, um, big change. so for the one touch zooms, I, I've never, I've never, I'm a zero touch uh, zoom <laughs> right. person. Right. So for the one touch zooms, would you would you turn the ring to focus or zoom and then like jerk it? You just Which, it, you, it would think of it as a trombone with a focusing. <laughs> I know, but which movement is which? Like, is is turning the ring focusing or is jerking yeah. and focusing? Turn, turn, focus, jerk, zoom. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And if 
if you want to practice that later, Perry, that's all good. <laughs> <laughs> you can even you can even turn and pull if you want at the same time. I know some people like that that variety too. The cinematographers probably have to master that technique. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one 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 more zoom that I wish to I was going to say touch upon, but that, that it's it's don't want to go too far off topic now, um, and that's the seventy five three point uh, sorry seventy five to one fifty three point eight, um, which oh, yeah. that's a decent little it's a it's a compact zoom, and it's also I've seen that on I've had that come through and pass through my hands on a few occasions with the matched multiplier. Um, so, right. you, and I'm not sure. I can't remember if it's, if it's two times teleconverter or not. But uh, it's quite often you would actually see the two things together. Um, I've always liked the idea of uh, matched uh, teleconverters when they're actually specifically for a specific uh, com- combination. Because it makes you think that it might not be quite so crap. But there you go. It, that was that was decent. I've I've used that one, and that was uh, pretty good for a zoom. We've done a lot of zoom zoom lenses. I was going to say. Are, are, we done with, are we done with Zooms now? <laughs> yeah, I think it's the most we've ever talked about Zooms ever on this podcast. Yeah, that's, that's it for um, this year. But I mean, they were, you know, again, just ubiquitous from that era. It's when Zoom lenses became predominant. So it was, it was, a, really big, it was a really big deal when it happened. Um, we have not even touched on I would what we I guess we think of as like the consumer grade exactly. guitars that were happening all at the, the pre, at the same time and, as and, all this. And that's what I'm thinking now. Let let's go to back to the original the original plan that yes. got ditched. Um, and that's <laughs> um, let's go with the go, let's go through the focal lengths. Yeah. Um, yes. And uh, so I'll I'll come out with some focal lengths, and if if there's something I mi- I miss. Um, then or some some other lens, then then jump jump in. Uh, but uh, the first <clears throat> the first one, and I don't know if it's the widest um, Vivitar, um, and it's not a lens specifically I've, that I've had, but that's the the, the seventeen uh, millimeter three point five, um, mm-hmm. which oh it was glad and I'm sorry glad I can't remember the rest of your name, but uh, yeah, he, he, I'm, I'm sure it was glad that mentioned it uh, earlier. Um, has been like a bit of a budget king and when i looked it up i noticed it's a takina and i've had the takina um, 17 3.5 so i'm assuming it's the same lens um and it's a decent it's a it's a decent lens yeah, I've, it is. I've i've got to say though i i have yet to try a super wide classic lens that i would ever want to use more than once um really yeah because um i i just do not when it comes to super wide lenses i just do not care about character i just want the sharp lens from corner to corner as best as i can so i'll just quite happily pick up a, a samyang and deal with yeah. a little bit of distortion i mean i i i have the i'm i'm in my hand i have a my pentax zx5 which is of course the pano pentax right um and on on this camera, I have the RMC Takina seventeen millimeter three five, which is the same lens. Um, and I, it's it's a really good lens. And I, I I would say this lens is it's well worth shooting and owning if you want a, a wide uh, prime, you know SLR lens. I think it's as it's it, it's as it's as good as anything you know that came afterwards. Um, certainly on film. 
Uh, but it handles really nice. It's a great lens. So between the 17 3.5 and the uh, 19 millimeter f 3.8 made by Casino, you'd go for the 17. I mean, I like the 17 millimeter. You know, it's a little bit wider, and I I, I think it. There's various tests out there floating around you can look at, but I mean it. It's just widely considered to be a really, a really good lens, um, and I think that's. I think it's a deserved reputation. Well, I've I've got the. Um... 19 3.8 it was something that came came on the camera and i've i've not used it um i've lent it out uh to somebody um and said yeah because they asked me i've I've got a wide a wide lens for sale and said well you can try this and see what you think Uh, i was a friend friend of mine and he brought it back (laughs) Um, uh, so uh, but i I, to to be fair he is very much a a digital uh modern lens user um so uh and yeah before we came came on air, um, I, I slapped it onto my Sony and I, I, I zoomed in on it, magnified it, the, the the view that it was giving me. Um, admittedly, wide open, which is not really fair on a, on a lens like that. No, um, but I, I don't care about fairness. <laughs> I'm going to be brutal with this, um, and uh, and yeah, it it didn't it didn't really do it for me. I don't particularly like the way it handled either. Um, although that wasn't really being helpless. It it was an FD mount lens. Um, and I just kept wanting to focus it by uh, um, by undoing the breech lock and make the lens fall off. Um, so, which is which is not a good thing. Um, so, it's, yeah, it's got a quite a thin uh, focus ring, which doesn't seem to be in the right place when you adapt it to digital. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I might be being a little bit harsh with it, but ultimately, it's it's a it's a far more modern lens, and from that age of Takina, where I think they were starting to starting to slip. Not Tequina, uh, Vivitar. Sorry. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's a it's a decent lens. I just think the seventeen is a better a better option. Yeah. Okay. Well, next focal length up that I've got, and I know we we did talk about a twenty one earlier, but that was from an earlier earlier age. Um, is the twenty four uh, f two uh, by? Kino. Ooh. Did, this is the one that I'm most interested in. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Nice <laughs> um, so, I've not had one. Yeah, they're re- they're they're really nice. They're they're very nice lenses. I think I've actually got one that's branded Miranda, which I've not uh, not used yet. But it, it, looked, it? it felt like a, a tequila to me, and it, it's a modern modern Wait. Miranda, not old Miranda. Wait, so so it says that the twenty four millimeter f two um, was made by Comine and Kiron. 52 millimeter filter for Comine, 55 for Kiron. Yeah, I'm talking about the uh, the Kiron Kino one. Yeah, yeah. I, I this is if I were to get any Vivitar lens, it would be this one. I don't know why. I just like fast wide angles. So yeah, it's it's the, uh, that one is is definitely worth seeking out. Um, I mean, even though there's a later version of it too. Um, oh, is that a 28? No, it's 24 two eight is also really good um which was a little bit later probably in the 80s um which is pretty common to come across uh the 2428 is is also really good well, the one one thing i know about the the, the Kiron, and this applies to the the 28 f2 uh, version is they're notorious for the aperture blade sticking mm-hmm. um and it's from memory it's not just a matter of uh, a bit of oil on the blades 
Um, they've, I think there's actually a weak point in the in the yeah. in the mechanism. Um, so don't. I would I would suggest that you know if you see one and and it's uh, you know, the aperture blades are, aren't working, be more uh, cautious about yeah. that than you, perhaps you might be when you think well it's just a bit of oil and it can get fixed. It's it, it may be more than that. Uh, yeah, and they're notorious for it as well. They are, and we used to get these come through central camera a lot, and they were almost always more often than not they had oily aperture blades and also it's not uncommon for these you got to check them for haze um because they will also get hazy mm. so well, the the, tw the 28 um to key uh you yeah it's it it looks and feels i say that i've, I've seen the 24 i've not held the 24 but they they look pretty much like the same lens uh, they're just obviously just slightly uh, different on the on, on the focal length but i think they have the same kind of properties and the same problems um i've not i've not tried the uh 24 by common i've not even seen one actually so 24 uh, the the one thing i've noticed browsing around for these is um the canon fd mount ones seem to be by far the cheapest is there a reason for that other than yeah, the fact that canon fd sucks <laughs> yeah that's why uh, okay <laughs> well no there there's think about it there's a bajillion of them that were made so it's just yeah. more common you know mm. it's the it's the most common one you're probably going to come across because everybody was going to cheap out and buy that instead of a canon 24 for their a1 so yeah makes sense yep um next next one on my list is we've got quite a few actually at 28 mil so we talked about the the, the 28.2 by keenon uh keno um then there's a a very standard by Comini uh, and very capable uh, 28.2.8, which I, I don't particularly want to dwell on. I don't want to dwell on 28mm, because as we all know, it's it's a rubbish focal length. Um, <laughs> but um, as we you know, go, go back in the podcast, you'll find out why. Um, but there's... Well, uh, well, but wait, I mean, I think it's, <laughs> it's... It's worth noting that it's probably the most common Vivitar lens you're ever going to come across as a 28 2.8 from yeah that sort of late 70s early 80s era they're just they're everywhere and they're 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 i still have mine i've had it since 1985 i've i've never felt the need to upgrade that lens it is it is a it's a, it's a I, really fine I, lens <laughs> I, i'm wondering if we're talking about the next 28 2.8 that i'm about to call out okay and that would be in the also by common a and also having the words uh, close or uh, close focus or close focusing, yeah. Yeah, which, is that's not, the, which is not the same lens that I'm talking about. Okay, the close focus is a, is a really that's the one the one I have that is a really really good lens. Yeah, there are others non close focus that are you know they're decent, but the the ones that are marked close focus are are very very good lenses. Wait, wait. So, so are, are we not going to talk about the series one twenty eight millimeter f one point nine with its exploding bokeh? Oh man, <laughs> that lens off the hook. Never used it, so it, it, engage me on that one. I don't know anything about it, Johnny. I yeah. I mean, if you can find one, those are really cool lenses. I mean, they're they're big for a twenty eight. It's a big lens obviously. because they have exploding bokeh. Expl yeah, they do exactly. Yeah, that's it's a it's a cool it's a cool lens. I mean, I I personally would not ever need a <laughs> a lens that fast and that focal length, but for people who want a lens that fast and that focal length, it, it yeah, man, the thing is awesome. 
but it, it has exploding bokeh. Exploding bokeh. I've never seen a lens that has this kind of bokeh. It's wild. What, <laughs> like, what is up with this lens? I mean, it's a Series 1, so it's supposed to be good, right? Yeah, yeah. But um, that's crazy. Yeah. That effect is so cool. It almost looks like when people take Helios 44s and like reverse the front element, but it yeah. doesn't look, it doesn't look, the bit that's in focus doesn't look crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I want that lens. Okay. Hey, you guys talk among yourselves. I'm going on eBay. Anyway, okay. So now we can skip over 28. Well, no, no. Oh, we're not, we're not done on 28 yet. Oh, okay, okay. Um, we talked earlier about the 28 2.5. Uh, or one at least of the of of those, um, which is which is an older design. It so is. The 20, yeah, the twenty eight two five dates all the way back to the T two era, um, and then there was the T four version, and then there's a bunch of fixed fixed uh, mount versions of it. So it's I mean it, that's a, that's the the old boy on the block or whatever. Yeah, well, just just finishing comments on the twenty eight two point eight close focus. Um, that was in our episode we did a, about 18 months ago um, when we were talking about budget lenses and budget yeah. buys. Uh, I think that was actually our our main pick. Um, yeah. It's something that if if you'll find if you're trying to find this lens, if somebody's selling this as a close focus, then it won't be a budget lens. Right. <laughs> that's yeah. the, that's the yeah, key. Totally. Yeah. Don't go looking. For, don't go searching for close focus um, because that makes it more expensive. Um, so right. just find a Vivitar twenty eight two point eight that, and then look at the pictures and see if it right. says close focus. That's the 100%. way to buy it. Hundred <laughs> yeah. percent true. Which which brings me uh, to the next twenty eight millimeter lens, um, and this is a, again one of those lenses I, I, I picked up last week. Um, and I've shared a photograph of it the other day, and that's the. It's also by Comine, uh, and it's a twenty-eight millimeter f two close focus. Yeah. yeah. And uh, again, very new to me. Not had a chance to actually use it. I like what I've seen when I've looked out of it for a twenty-eight millimeter lens. That is, um, and there is. Uh, where's my little notes I've got on this lens? Because. Um, when I again, one of the people that mentioned or talked about this lens when I put a post up recently, and I'm going to butcher your name, Mark. I do apologise, but Mark Kleit, Kleitmans, something like that. Sounds sounds Belgium Dutch kind of thing. Um, and he he made the comment and shared a really really nice photograph. Um, and there's, it's considered um possibly to i can't remember actually now whether it was actually considered to be just simply the best 28 millimeter uh vivitar lens but possibly the best vivitar lens i can't quite remember but uh yeah um seeing that 28 millimeter vivitar lenses are good anyway um so the best of a good range of lenses that that's that's pretty high praise yeah yeah so uh and i say the photographs i've seen of it uh, very good and that's actually one of the things i like about vivitar and we, we're going to talk about another close focus later um and that's they they weren't using the word macro on these lenses whereas you know so many other lenses it would say well you can, it gets quite close and let's call it a macro lens and, you know and it's it's actually got a macro marking on there it's it's like one to five yeah um, but it doesn't it's, shout about it and i like that right yeah and i i think again so much of this language is market differentiation and and market uh, marketing. So, I mean, if you think about it, if you're the person at the camera counter trying to sell the lens, would you rather try to explain to 
average camera buyer what macro is or what close focus is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and most most people were not going to do true macro photography anyway. So so why bother standing at the counter explaining macro and confusing people when you could just say close focus? Yeah. Yeah, yeah makes sense. But if you ever see any Vivitar and it's got close focus, um, assuming they're the ones that we've tried, um, it's going to be a good lens. That yeah. seems to be the case. They, they, yep. They're just really good. Um, okay, moving on. Uh, I haven't got, I, I've never used a 35mm uh, Vivitar. You, I think you mentioned one earlier. Um, but I've got no yeah, the of preset, them. which is, you know, it's okay. It's just old. Um, yeah. the, I, I, to be honest, have not... I also have not used the 35 uh, from from this era. I've sold them. They look nice. I assume they perform pretty well. But, you know, again, 35 millimeter as a focal length was really on the outs uh, in, in this era. So it would have been a, a kind of unusual buy for somebody who really wanted a 35 to buy a Vivitar 35, you know, um, back in the day. But also the 35s from... Canon, Nikon, et cetera, would have been probably quite a bit more expensive. So it would have been definitely a budget budget buy lens um, well, and probably the, a decent performer. Yeah, the one I'm, I mean, certainly the one made by Comine uh, with the rub, rubber grip on, so uh, it's like yeah. 80s, late 70s, 80s, is yeah. actually 1.9, um, which is, yeah, which yeah, is yeah, interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, I suppose that's how they're differentiating it by you know, by just making a little bit, probably the same kind of money or less and you get a much faster lens maybe. Right. right. Yeah, true. Yeah. yeah, they would have sold it to me anyway. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for that kind of thing. Um, okay, let's uh, move on to the next uh, focal length. We, I touched upon the 55 2.8 macro, uh, great lens. Um, and then there's a, a range of Vivitar lenses which are in 55, 50, well, standard lenses you know uh, and interesting enough they they did um focal uh, apertures as fast as 1.2 um and and as slow as 2.8 i'm not sure if the 2.8 is referring to the macro one i'm not entirely sure um wow. but they it's did a 1.2 i've never i've never even seen it yeah i've i have seen one of those um wow and uh i think i've only seen a picture of one but i've definitely i know it exists um, wow and I think, and by the way, I think it's a 55. I'm not sure, uh, but okay. it's, uh, I'm pretty sure it's going to yep. be another version of the uh, uh, Tomioka um, lens. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I'm pretty, pretty, pretty sure about that. Makes uh, sense. Yeah. Um, but in terms of use, I haven't really tried any of those. And I'm sure that, like we've said on many occasions before, if it's a 50 millimeter standard lens, they're almost all good. And if it's yeah. not a good 50 millimeter standard lens, then it's going to be good because it's rubbish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, exactly. and, and there are some that are so bad they're good, uh, but there aren't many of them. Um, and the one I, and I can think of in, in particular is it's branded as Exactar, um, and it's oh, truly great. appalling, and it, it renders like a trioplan. Um, so, so, you know, it's so, it's so bad it's good. All right. Um, um, okay, let's uh, hop over. We've done like the the 85s and the 90s and 105s although uh, uh, yeah because i think the 100 milli lenses they were more in the old era uh, weren't they that we've we sort of covered that um so i want to talk about the last probably the last big section of vivitar lenses and that's the 135s 
um, because yeah. that is certainly an area that I think a lot of people come across. Uh, Vivitor lenses is, is the one three five focal length, and for me that's it's quite an interesting uh, focal length. And again, on the earlier range, uh, there's the one three five two point five, and uh, again in one of the uh, Facebook groups, uh, um, David Blumensteed, I think that's how you pronounce your name, um, posted a, a, a little picture of it and saying it's got swirl, uh, which is obviously good. Uh, yeah, we like swirl. Um, how much swirl it is, or how much it's just down to the aberrations of uh, what's going on in the corners, or not, I don't know. But uh, I, I, I doubt it's going to be Petzval swirl, but there's something going on there. Um, but in the, as you get a little bit later, um, before you get onto the, the, the rubber uh, gripped um, Vivitars, um, there's a, a particular um, design, and actually, the Perry's uh, 28 2.5 shares that design on the focus ring uh, because it's ribbed um, and uh, well the rib, rib runs, runs uh, along the length rather than the other way around so uh, you can't say ribbed I can't, I can't say that can I um, <laughs> um, yeah we need know what I was about to say or oh, some of you will um, but that um, that particular 135 2.8 with the, the 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 all metal focus ring that has tiny grooves that run the length of the of the focus ring and along the like longitudinally um that is an absolute superb lens if you can find that uh, that particular model um because yeah a lot of people talk about Vivitar 135 2.8 um and there are loads of them and some are made by Comine some are made by Takina um and when you get onto the ones with with rubber grips you can't i don't think you could even tell the difference about who made them They've, they're virtually identical um but that one that came the earlier version um that was one that we used to talk a lot about on this in, in this podcast especially carl in fact carl and i were big fans of uh, of that lens back back in the day and it's it's interesting because it is definitely measurably better than the ones that came after it um and it's also um it also has an extra element in there. They actually changed the design. They cheapened the design. It became a lighter lens, um, cheaper to make. But the older Comine, um ribbed uh, focus ring, that's, that's it's a great lens to go for. And again, if it's advertised in, in anything that's uh, using that kind of close to it being a description, then just move on. But it'll be too much. But you know, just look up Vivitar 135 2.8 and find one that's just got all metal but it's you know it's not one of the very very older ones uh, like the one that uh, johnny was talking about earlier that's awful <laughs> you know it's uh, it's it's newer than that but just before the age of the uh, the rubberized grips uh, go for it it's a it's a excellent lens yeah the, the metal focus rings feel really nice yeah i would say that yeah really well made lenses um i mean a lot of the t a lot of the vivitars are, are, are really well made lenses um we touched upon the series one 2.3 <clears throat> um, but there's one other uh, 135 2.8 which I can't praise enough. Um, so yeah, the 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 common A uh, ribbed one is is excellent. But the 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 top uh, lens for me uh, is the one again that we mentioned before: close focus or close focusing uh, 135 2.8. Absolutely stunning lens. I've, I'm pretty much of the opinion it's the equal of any other. 
135 lens of of the era of a 2.8 so and i mean put it this way i i kept mine and sold my um carl's ice uh lens um mine's i think mine's actually on m42 and i'll still put it onto a, onto a context camera um yeah. you know it, it's 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 just a fantastic lens and it's got that close focus it has got that near macro ability it's sharp it's beautiful it renders well everything about that lens um it's great and again i've said it many times now um don't go looking for the close focusing uh, when you do your search just just look at the lenses and then just hope that on the nameplate it says close focus and go for it because it's it's brilliant stunning lens nice okay well have, have you anything more to say on 135s nope nope <laughs> okay um and i've only got one more one more lens to talk about um, and that is the the matching body of the 135 uh, Comine uh, 2.8, and that's the 203.5 Comine. Mm. Um, again, with the ribbed uh, focus ring, stunning lens, absolutely yeah. brilliant lens. Um, yeah, I, I I used to use that on a on a an EM1 uh, Olympus Micro Four Thirds. Um, for to do birding photographs uh, so small birds in bushes and things like that and it's just so sharp and it renders nicely and it just does everything you want just really easy to use snaps into focus and everything you could possibly want in in that kind of lens um so i've not tried the the later versions um but it wouldn't surprise me if if the same fate of that lens applied with the later ones and they they, they cheapened the design uh moving on from that one so uh, you see those ones with the with the rib focus ring, uh, the one three five, the uh, the two hundred, and, and and if you if you like the quirkiness, uh, the the twenty eight two point five, um, great lenses. Um, yeah, and and these are all I'm pretty sure the same T uh, four lenses, just with a fixed mount on them. Um, they're the same, basically the same lens design. So they're kind of from that uh, high point era of let's call it Vivitar lens design, which, you know, probably not their designs, but the lenses that were executed under their name in the, in those eras are really good lenses. Yeah. So I think, uh, I think, I think we've done it. All right. Are there any, um, any more to, uh, Vivitar uh, points we wish to make Perry? I'm, I'm really pleased with how many times Comier uh, was pronounced correctly today. Mm. <laughs> okay, turn, can't, turn the corner. Yeah, I can't, I can't guarantee next time we say it, we're going to do it. It was just fresh in our minds at the moment. <laughs> um, I was just going to say the uh, oh, somewhere I'm looking, a picture of it popped up in one of these pages I have open. I have a bunch of like Vivitar compendium pages open. Um, but the. Uh, what is it? The PN. Uh, what's the camera? I'm looking for the, the Vivitar camera. There's a um, a little pocket point and shoot fixed focus. Yeah, here it is. It's the PN two o one one, which you can't miss it. it. It's one of my favorite 35 millimeter film cameras of all time. Um, it's a focus free. Uh, it's just a literally a focus free ratchet wind. Uh, pocket camera, but they're so much fun and they take great photos. Um, and it's, it has sort of a gray body with like a, a black accent bit on it. 
um, in a, uh, a, a, a lens that has a red ring around the front. Um, they're super cheap. I mean, it's the kind of it's the kind of camera you find for a, a buck at the used at the vintage store or at the um, resale store or whatever. But I love them. I used to buy them and put a roll of film in them and just give them to people. As they're they're essentially they're disposable cameras that you re reusable disposable cameras. But they're so they're so it's a fixed focus plastic point and shoot. Yes. Does the does the PN stand for Pano? Um. This one, I, uh, I don't think this has a pano mode, uh, as I recall. They make a panoramic version, similar version to it. Um, but this one, I'm pretty sure, does not have a pano switch on it. It's just a full 35 frame. Well, I just Googled it, and it does say it has a panoramic mode. Oh, does it? All right. Well, there you go. It, then, it, then it does, yeah. Oh, that's cool. That, yeah. that that reminds me now. I'm not sure if it's the same one, and you just you're not giving it its full name or not. But there's isn't there something called an ultra wide and slim? Isn't uh, that, that's that's different. That's a wider. But that's a that's, like that's a, a Vivitar though, isn't it? Yeah, it's Vivitar. Um, it's that's a wider lens. They say it's twenty two. I don't actually think it's that wide. It's more like twenty four or twenty five. Um, but yeah, that's a little bit different. That the PN uh, twenty eleven is, um, I think, a thirty five, right? Well, yeah. just, just and so people flip the lenses on these. They're super hackable. You know, it's just a fun camera. Have I have I got? Is my memory correct though that you you ripped the lens out of one of those ultra wide and slims and stuck it on a Leica oh, or yeah. something? Yeah. Yeah, I, I mounted it in a body cap, and I have it on a, um, a Bessa L. That's yeah. it. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah, which I, I have to say is a little bit disappointing, because then you just end up with kind of a mediocre uh, fixed-focus wide lens, which is not a bad thing, but the, the kind of the, all the character comes from the crappy body of the ultra-wide and slim camera itself. Yeah. Like, it, that's where all the light leaks and the weirdness come from, so it's kind of like you're you're missing that secret sauce once you pull the lens out of the camera. Basically, you, you improved it by sellotaping it to, to a Bessa. I improved the, it by giving it a lobotomy, yes. Yeah, and yeah. therefore re- <laughs> wrecked it at the same time. Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I made it a well-behaved, no longer psychotic lens. Right. Yeah. Right, well... This is this is definitely going to have to be uh, where we start to wind things down. Oh, with, uh, sorry. Oh, the PN twenty eleven is a twenty eight millimeter lens. Yeah, so there you go. A little, a little bit, a little, not as wide as the ultra wide and slim, but still very wide and, you know. You see, very as much fun. as I don't like twenty eight millimeter, I, I I do like twenty eight millimeters on the point and shoot. I think it's yeah, good it's on the point and shoot. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah, weird. I don't quite understand that. Um, but yeah, um, I'm I'm running quite short of time now, so we're going to have right. to start to wind things down uh, very quickly. And the first thing I need to do is to say thank you to those people that have. Uh, that's a strangler. Who are calling right now? Yes, that's it. So uh, no more stranglers. And um, actually, somebody suggested I should have another piece of music, and I've forgotten what it was now. Uh, but it wasn't a compliment. Um, <laughs> um, right. So let's just go through uh, those people that have made a donation since we were last on, which is ages ago. And that's uh, Mike Epstein, I think. Um, we didn't give him. I think that's 
yes, I don't think we mentioned Mike. Uh, Gary Florjak, thank you very much. Uh, and then Hong Lee, um, and he says, Isabel, and this is referring to our last podcast, Isabel is a great guest, and I'm doing my darn best to, find off, to fight off gas for a GFX. Um, by the way, um, it's really... It's really beyond my ken. That means something else, I think. Uh, really beyond my ken why Johnny has such a rocky relationship with gatekeepers on Facebook. Yeah, um, I think we're talking about your, late, <laughs> your latest ban, isn't it? So um, yeah, yeah. Are you actually back as your own name yet, or, um, or no? I don't even bother. I don't you? even bother. I don't even bother using that account anymore because <clears> I'm I, they. Any adjective I string together in almost any sentence is going to get me a ban. Yeah. So I I can't I can't do or say anything with that account because it's just like it's got the bots all over it, like lice. And for them, um, look, just... looking for anything it can ban me, you know, from saying. So for, for, for those people that aren't in our Facebook group, uh, which is Classic Lenses Podcast uh, Facebook group, um, I, I as an admin of the group, we uh, um, jo- Johnny has a friend. That, that has a similar kind of voice to Johnny. It's it's almost as if it is Johnny, but it's not because it's obviously somebody else with a different name. Um, but this this person who behaves like Johnny, um, and uh, his name was Rock Rock Kenwell. Um, he he a, po- a post of his was reported to me as being offensive and goes and going against uh, Facebook standards on hate speech. And it was it was to do with. Uh, um, I think you used you used a I don't know if it's a word crazy or something like that. Well, I think that's what Jason Lane says. I think he's a crazy Russians and got banned. Um, right. And uh, it was something that's similar on those lines about Swedish people being really clever and being able to speak multiple languages. And uh, yeah. and, and that pretty much was a hate <laughs> I, speech. I think I, I think I called him a multilingual some bitch. That was it. Yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> you know Swedes they they all speak they all speak like six languages at a minimum the uneducated ones you know so it's like you you know you can't do you can't say that you can't give people a compliment even no <laughs> because there's there's no irony filter once you're on the once the bots are on you so zero context zero context that's yes. it um so uh next one nigel cliff uh, another great show. Isabel is such an engaging person to listen to and good to hear of her love for more unusual lenses. Totally agree. Um, then we've got uh, Patrick Venari. Uh, hopefully I've, I've said that right. And he says, hi, hi, tight and low and away. Uh, that means something which is going over my head. Um, then Brian Woolworth. Uh, then Matt Ings, who says uh, to Perry for LTM le- recommendations, Simon for being a rare defender of classic Canon T90 and FD lenses. Um, yeah, I think they're okay. I like the T90 if it ever worked um, or if it would still work. And Johnny for pro- for pronouncing Quincy like, like a true mass hole. Do you want to give us a quick rendition of how you, how you say Quincy? Uh, that would be Quincy. 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 Okay. Um, and then somebody anonymous. Uh, so uh, thank you. Thank you very, very much. Um, okay. So uh, in usual style, uh, Perry, if people want to see the kind of things that you do outside of this podcast, how can they do that? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Flickr at Perry G. I haven't posted it in a while, but uh, I might. I might. <laughs> That's good. Um, and Johnny, how about you? I have no plans to share anything photographic until at least the late summer. 
So, nothing. Yeah, fair, fair enough. I've, I've still got photographs that I actually have back now and I should just get them scanned and digitised and do something with them, uh, including some shots I've taken with a Minolta X500 uh, and my 75mm Biotar trying to chase a deer through a forest. I've actually... Got, <laughs> Wow! <laughs> using using uh, uh, 2002 expired 100 um, ISO Fuji oh slide slide film. <laughs> Good God! <laughs> so I don't know if I could have made it much harder. I suppose yeah, using using something slower maybe. Um, but um, yeah, I think I was grateful for a for a 0.5 lens because I was having to shoot the thing wide open. So uh, who knows? Who knows if they're going to come out or not? Um, Okay, so uh, uh, I've just just uh, dropped, talked over what you were talking about then, uh, Johnny. I can't remember where you got up to. Are you still on your porch? Uh, I, was, I, I wasn't saying anything. No. Okay, okay. So if um, we, have, we have actually got a few uh, emails which you still haven't read out, um, and we've still got cameragrams uh, uh, to do to, to win Animal Mysteries. Um, uh, now you cannot get hold of. Uh, photo book which is excellent um, so it's 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 actually probably going up in value that is so that's that's good news um, so we'll do those another time um, Instagram we have our friends on best vintage lens um, anything else anything else we've got a YouTube channel which sort of works occasionally um, and I'm on Instagram as Simon no not on Instagram yes sir on Instagram, I am on there as Simon Forster Photographic. Uh, I'm on Twitter as Simon Four. I have a website called SimonForsterPhotographic.co.uk where you can buy lots of rare lens caps. Um, and I think that's it. Is, is there anything else I've missed? Uh, just shout outs. That's it. Yeah, going to shout outs. <laughs> no, <laughs> not really. <laughs> John, <laughs> Johnny, going to shout outs. No. Okay. I, um, no, no. I I thought I had one, but I've forgotten. Um, so our music is by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. Uh, and that's it. So I hope you've enjoyed this week's show. And if you can, be like Carl. <laughs>